Hello there. This is a little note at the start of this episode to let you know that we had some recording troubles, uh, by which I mean Chris's microphone completely didn't work when we recorded, and I didn't realise until afterwards, which was very exciting when I found out. The good news is, we did a live stream, the audio from that worked perfectly, albeit perhaps slightly less quality, and so I've managed to use that too. However, more information. I only pressed play on that after about 10 minutes. So I squished it all together, put a little bit of myself in there so it all makes sense, and uh, hopefully you'll enjoy it as if nothing ever happened, apart from I've felt I had to explain it now. Hello and welcome to episode 21 of the Sheffield Digital Podcast. I'm Ian Broom and I'm joined by directors Mel Kanarek. Welcome back, Mel. Thank you. And Chris Diamond. Hello. We've got another bumper selection of news, events and all that jazz later on. But today we are also joined by Rachel Boyce, who is here to tell us all about Tickets for Good and the Ticket Bank programme. Hi, Rachel. Hello. And, um, and thank you for stepping in at late notice. <laughs> yes, that's fine. Steps. Uh, Steph, Steve's uh, in the airport on his way back. Uh, so, yeah, he just texted me this morning to come down. Has he been caught up with the storm or is he just running behind? Uh, I think he's just running behind. Yeah. yeah, he's not been very well as well. Oh, no. So. Oh, we'll send him our best, won't you? Yes, I will. Yeah. Excellent. Um, well, a good place to start would probably be to learn a little bit more about you, Rachel, and also uh, about the company that you work for. Yeah. Okay. Um, so... I don't actually have a, a tech background, um, and as we mentioned, Steve was meant to be <laughs> joining you today. Um, so I've worked for Tickets for Good for about um, a year and a half now. Um, originally, I was helping out on the sales and marketing side of the platform, and then um, in the last... Um, probably about eight months I've switched over on to the ticket bank program um so my background is very much more in the charity sector third sector um I've worked with multiple different um third sector organizations in the city um I'm a chair at uh, voluntary Action Sheffield, um, a trustee there. Um, I work at Regather Cooperative as well. Um, and um, the main thing that I bring uh, to Tickets for Good and um, to the Ticket Bank program is is knowledge of that sector, how we engage with them and making sure that we can meet their needs um, as well. So for people who aren't familiar with it, what is Tickets for Good? How does it work? Mm -hmm. So Tickets for Good um, is a ticket selling platform. Um, it's free to use um, by the promoter or events organiser. Um, we charge a booking fee on the sale of tickets um, and that is a unless it's free, there's no uh, charge if it's a free event. Um, where it's a ticketed charged event, it's a minimum of a pound and 10% uh, up to 10% of the um, total cost of the ticket. Mm -hmm. um, we have, we then split that booking fee and 10% is ring fence for our charity of the month. Um, and we work with a whole range of different charities uh, during the year. And um, most of them are based in Sheffield, um, but we do work with some uh, 
bigger national charities as well. Excellent. And what kind of companies roundabout are using your platform rather than, say, something like Eventbrite? Um, So often they are ones that want to increase their social impact through the work that they're doing. Um, So, for example, Voluntary Action Sheffield are having their awards evening, um, I think, in uh, November, um, where they're celebrating the third sector um, and giving awards out to um, the best volunteers and the best projects in the city. And they've chosen to use our platform because they see it as more ethical and they can achieve something else along with um, supporting mm-hmm. the third sector more generally. And you say that you're, you allow people to use it for free if they're tickets are also free yeah but presumably by doing that you're helping just to spread the awareness of the platform and and make sure people know about it yeah for sure and we do um see that people might uh use it for free for a free event and then they get used to the platform and then they'll go on to hosting Mm -hmm. uh costed events yeah so this is where we move to the live stream version of the recording Chris has just asked Rachel about Tickets for Goods um, development and how it can be uh, adapted and plans for the future, that type of thing. This is what she said. Yeah, we've um, been working with some interesting people in terms of looking at the ways we can change the platform and alter it to fit their needs. So Mm. um, one promoter that uses the platform is called Andrew and Eve. Um, They run some drag king nights um, that are very popular. And they also um, fundraise um, as part of their ticketing. Um, So there's the ticket, the entry ticket. Mm -hmm. uh, And then as um, a functionality on the website is the to add on additional products. And that is where they offer people the option to donate extra money to cover the cost of people that can't attend, can't afford the cost of a ticket and can support their work um, outside of the event as well. Mm -hmm. Interesting. And I know you're not the technical person. I'm not going to ask a super techie question, but have you developed this in-house or have you worked with a partner locally? How how has the platform come into existence? Yeah, so we've been working um, with Black Eyed Project, um, who are a local company, um, and our Tickets for Goods uh, sister company is Party for the People as well, um, and they also helped um, Party for the People set up their website. So... Um, we work with both. Right. Yeah. Excellent. And we know that as well as Tickets for Good, which has been going for a while, you're involved in something called the Ticket Bank program. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Yeah. So um, Tickets for Good, obviously, um, is about uh, we have the built-in charity donations and we want to um, appeal to a sector that's thinking about social impact and everything like that. Um, and we'd also worked quite closely with a charity called Attitude Is Everything, who do quite a lot of work around accessibility of events, um, how ticketing companies um, have more to do in terms of making uh, when you're requesting like a 
you need a wheelchair mm. space. Um, often the process is quite cumbersome to do that. It's not just your standard click, I want one, two or three tickets mm-hmm. and then go to the checkout. You have to ring and things like that. So the process is much more difficult. So those kind of conversations and they were our charity of the month um, has kind of inspired us to do more around the kind of access to events um, and one thing that we found that people were approaching us with it was about donating tickets to charities and within the event sector it's not anything new people have donated Mm -hmm. tickets to charities quite commonly for Mm -hmm. quite a while Um, but I think the thing that we found and the thing that I'm really passionate about as well is that um yes events organizers want to do it um they they know the impact of it they they know the benefit of it but they don't necessarily have the administration time to do it and also their knowledge of the charities and other community organizations in the area Mm -hmm. will be limited to the larger organizations Mm -hmm. so it will be like sheffield children's hospital for example um or sheffield mind or the really big kind of national organizations that often benefit from those schemes um so one of the things that i really like about the ticker bank is that it makes things a lot more equal and fair so um an event gets um, uploaded onto the website. We it put all the details of the event, who they're aimed at, everything like that. And then a charity it has an account on that website. They have credits that they can use to select um, the tickets. One ticket generally equals one credit. And um, everyone gets a notification at the same time. If you signed up to the website, you can sign in, log in and choose how many you'd like. Um, And also we can restrict uh, the number of tickets per user. Um, So someone who uh, in charity sector is very common for people people to work part-time maybe somebody works on a monday and they might see the notification first and we don't want them to grab uh, all the tickets right, straight yes. away so yeah. um we can limit the number that people can take and then that allows other people to sign in later and also okay. uh, get access to them okay so, so, you're, so you're, you're connecting the the donors the ticket the promoters who are donating tickets directly with people that are attending the event rather than just donating them to a charity that might then auction them off or use them for fundraising. Yeah. So it's, a, it's actually a two-way market between the people who would like to attend events but find it difficult because it's complicated to organise, mm-hmm. you know, accessibility and, mm-hmm. and, and, you know, whatever needs they've got particularly to do so. Yeah, so the main, uh, we kind of uh, phrase it as like a, a pyramid of the users. So we want the the highest level, the most users to be beneficiaries of those charities. Mm-hmm. Um, so if mm-hmm. that is, and that varies from what kind of charity it is, obviously, if it's Sheffield in mind, it might be someone with mental health issues who's dealing with something. It, we also work with quite a few um, refugee and asylum seeker charities mm-hmm. who are unlikely to have access to the internet, might not have a phone, mm-hmm. um, have technological barriers Mm. to accessing events Um, and what 
they're the kind of key people that we aim the tickets at. Secondary to that, we um, uh, they can be used by volunteers. So charities find it a great way to thank volunteers for mm-hmm. the time and the effort that they put in. And uh, the third layer is staff. And um, most of the time, staff are will also attend with their beneficiaries mm-hmm. um, to support uh the attendance yeah, yeah. um so uh very recently we got some tickets through sheffield theaters um and it was for a bollywood event mm-hmm. um and we worked with a very small charity called family voice um who work with quite socially isolated asian young women and young moms who'd never been to the theatre before um, didn't even really know where it was. Um, going out on a Saturday night was very, very rare for them. And through um, working with Sheffield Theatres and then putting them up on our website and everything, we were able to make that happen and they were able to attend and they had a fantastic time. That's amazing. You mentioned when we were chatting before we started recording that you're working with Off the Shelf Festival at the moment. So is it the case that the festival itself has put aside a certain number of tickets and and sort of put them into the bank? Is is that how it works? Or if I was buying a ticket, could I buy two and donate one to the bank? So generally, uh, it is the the events organisers that donate. Mm. Um, so in the case of Off the Shelf, yes, they'd um, they'd heard about our programme, they wanted to be involved, they um, spoke to their alumni who then funded the cost of the tickets to be able right. to donate them. Yeah. And then we placed those tickets on our website and our um marketing them out, making sure the charities know about them. And they were uh, specifically targeting certain groups. So this year Off the Shelf has three strands of events. There's um, Circus. um, What is the other one? There's a second one that I can't remember. And the third one is um, 100 Years of Suffrage. Um, So because of that strand, they were wanting to target um, 16 to 25-year-old young women. um, And therefore, we've been speaking to the specific charities and community organisations, working with those groups, Mm -hmm. making sure they're aware of them. Um, And that's been really great. Um, Yeah. Yeah. So... um Obviously, you're doing all this through a digital platform yeah. um, that makes our administration much easier and mm-hmm. makes um, discovery much easier because people can can get notified when new tickets go up and mm-hmm. can um, can go and, and book them. So um, presumably, um, you, you've got the opportunity to scale it outside of Sheffield. Yes. Um, how do you see that going and what, what are your plans? Yeah, for so we are looking at that. Um, I'm trying to push for this before the end of the year. Okay. Uh, So, um, well, we are um, mainly in Sheffield um, and recently we have developed a partnership with O2 Academy, which has been fantastic. And obviously they have venues Venues. across the country. Mm. um, And we have already worked with some of their events in London um, and we've been working with a charity called V Inspired um, down there, which is about getting young people involved in volunteering. 
Um, and we're now looking at Manchester as the new area that we're going to mm-hmm. work with them. They have quite a few O2 Academy mm-hmm. uh, venues in Manchester. I know that location um, a bit myself. I went to university there as mm-hmm. well. So, um, so yeah, I'm quite excited about going into a new area. Mm-hmm. Um, we're also looking at expanding into South Yorkshire as well. So I had a meeting with um, Cast Theatre mm-hmm. in Doncaster oh, yeah. uh, this week, and they're quite interested yeah. in the programme. Um, they do something similar, but with... Um, a very small number of charities um, mm. and they're looking at and they've definitely seen the benefit in the partnership work with charities and mm-hmm. how it makes such a big difference having those relationships involved. Yeah. I mean, I'd imagine that there's maybe several other organisations around the country that have similar schemes but mm. maybe they don't have the same technology or the same ability to... Um, to make it easy. Yeah, there's definitely um, people. So, CAS, for example, they um, they're only focused on their venue. Obviously, right, yes. they're not giving out tickets mm. to other places in Doncaster. Mm-hmm. Um, so, I think that's what makes us different. Is that um, yeah, it, it's scalable, and we're working with multiple different events, um, and we are also looking at. Although we've done mainly arts events, we are looking at potentially going into sports as mm-hmm. well. Mm-hmm. And you mentioned before about um, who donates the tickets. We have actually had um, one um, individual get in touch um, who had snooker tickets um, a while ago. Mm-hmm. Um, he couldn't attend for some reason. Mm-hmm. Um, he was coming up from London and he made the effort to seek us out and to he wanted to give them to someone worthy and we were able to um offer the tickets to city of sanctuary who work with refugees and asylum seekers Mm -hmm. and they were able to attend and it was amazing for them they had a great time right so it's an alternative to the stub hubs and you know yeah. these other ticket exchanges yeah, well for that, unwanted tickets. And you but that way individual. if you say, you know, I can't use this ticket, I'd yeah. like someone who normally wouldn't get the opportunity to yes. to go to an event like this to go. Mm. And I want to go through a a platform that I know will will make sure yeah. that this ticket these tickets get into the right really kind them. of hands. Yeah. I think that's lovely. That's a lovely story. Yeah. Yeah. Really good. Um just uh, generally um what do you think of of, um, of Sheffield's kind of I don't know alternate economy, if you like? Um, you know, there's, there's a there's a lot of social enterprise in Sheffield, mm. and um, you know a lot of it could be could do what you're doing and make it easier to to access through technology and more scalable through technology. Um, and maybe um, in the next podcast we might be talking to Richard Motley at um, Social Enterprise Exchange, who have had several conversations mm. with about this that they're. Um, you've got a burgeoning social enterprise scene in Sheffield, but it's still kind of under-supported with technology. Mm. And you're, I mean, we kind of see you as one of the leaders of of this merging of the two. Um, how do you see it? Um, yeah, I do think there is um, perhaps a lack of technology in the sector. And I think the a lot could be benefited from bringing third sector more uh, tech savvy. Um, and I think 
there are opportunities that it would create in terms of scalability and and things like that mm. um i think sometimes i mean you see it in the public sector a little bit as well like in the more the older institutions um there's a hesitant can be a hesitance around technology or mm. um things like that i i sometimes work with charities where they are struggling even to maybe use Twitter or something like that. Even mm. that is quite new and um, yeah, something that they haven't done before. Mm. So, um, <laughs> uh, yeah, it's. I think there are real opportunities that technology can make a big difference, and I think it would be good to bring the two sectors together more. Mm. It feels to me like some, something that, it's very Sheffieldy that we should be able yes. to do is bring together these these two uh, sectors because so so many of the people that we know working in tech mm. have a very social so they're socially oriented yeah, yeah outlook and, and and they're they're doing good things yes. on the side or, or getting involved in the tech for good meetup or That's that right. kind of thing and it's like well perhaps there's an opportunity for here for us as a city to say. Mm we've made a special effort to do something about bringing these mm. things together. And isn't there quite a bit of funding kicking around for third sector organisations to do quote unquote innovation with technology at the moment? I'm sure I keep seeing things from Nesta and, and stuff like that. Yeah, Nesta is a, a big mm. supporter of that kind of thing. Yeah. Nominate yeah. trust as well. Mm. Yeah. But I think I think there's a you know there's obviously work to do to bring the sectors together if you like if you mm. want to see it in those terms I think also I think we need more I mean obviously you know we haven't got enough people who are who know and can build things with the technology in general mm. but I think we need more of them kind of going into this that that third sector as well and into into the volunteer sector um, if we can get a you know a pipeline of people with the actual skills to build things involved in social enterprise yeah. i think it would make a much bigger difference than just trying to get the tech sector and the social enterprise sector to talk to each other you know, <laughs> you know what I mean? yeah i do i do because then money's always the problem because, yes you know, yeah it's people yeah i people i wanted expensive. to ask earlier um just when we were talking about who use uses the tickets for good mm. platform whether you have links with the universities you know sheffield university and, and hallam because they both use eventbrite at the moment for mm. various things and it seems to me that if there was a way you could say to the universities mm. it'd be really good if you use this thing mm. that's been built here in it's Sheffield. It's taken them years to adopt Eventbrite. You know me, I'm a glass half full kind of person. <laughs> no, I think it's easier to switch them from Eventbrite over to tickets for good yeah. than it is to get them to adopt Eventbrite in the first place. Yeah, so yeah. Another first hurdle's overcome. Really, so. But but then I was also thinking, well, if... if um, if you want to start developing a pipeline of uh, individuals who are tech savvy and uh, also interested in the third sector and yes. then starting with younger, idealistic, fresh faced young people mm -hmm. rather than old cynics like me, um, you know, that that might be a way to get all kinds of useful input. Just yeah. just. You know, thinking yes. out loud as you do. Yes, this, yeah, this, this is not your responsibility, Rachel. <laughs> it usually but, disintegrates into a hmm, "what if" kind of conversation. Yeah. Well, we are yeah. we are probably talking to Richard Motley ne next next podcast. Yeah. I think that's uh, it's much more in his Tis. wheelhouse. You're absolutely right. Yeah, I, I just got one last question. I am still here, by the way. Before I ask my question, I apologise. I've been faffing around. I have been fiddling throughout this entire. <laughs> 
you can't see unless you're watching the live live stream. I don't normally do that. Um, I, I've been trying to get the live stream working, which I kind of did, and then I broke it, and then I made it play out loud, which you may have heard. About. <laughs> so, Ian's not having oh, the best day. As, as long as we've recorded the podcast, that's the important thing. Is it re- actually, are you sure? I, I, it looked it looks that way. <laughs> <laughs> but my question uh, was about the the co-working space at um, Aberdale Picture House, which is where you're based. I wondered how that was going. Whether you got any digital tech people up there working, and just how how it's gone as a as a as an enterprise uh yeah it's going okay we've recently had um what, what's it called is there's a, a what, isn't it a, is it a one one something uh studio one studio yes. one i had a mental blank yeah. then but <laughs> I remembered. um yeah so yeah we've had some new people move in recently um i don't think we have any tech people in but i could be mistaken um it i don't know if you're aware of the Aberdale picture house obviously it is a venue that needs a lot of work doing to it and uh the one space uh studio one in the co-working space is um part of a much bigger project to transform the venue and there will need to be a lot of uh funding and investment sorted to get it up to the point uh, we would like it to be and to um, reach the potential that it has. Um, And CADs um, are doing a lot of that work and um, we've got some exciting things uh, potentially on the horizon um, and we are taking steps towards getting the premises license sorted for the building um, and that would really unlock um, the building, really, in terms of what it can achieve and make it um, sustainable. I think it's quite appealing that it's not in the middle of town, which is where all the other co-working spaces are. I think it's good. Like the, mm. we, we've, we've talked in previous episodes and on the website about kind of the, a burgeoning co-working sort of scene, um, but it's all focused in the centre of town. So mm. I, I think it'd be it'd be good, and it's. Half a, half a mile from my house as well. So. Ah, <laughs> ulterior motive. You never know. <laughs> yeah, it's an amazing building. And yeah. just amazing. Yeah. yeah, it is. I think that's it. Thank you Thanks. so yeah. much for joining us, Rachel. Appreciate that's it. okay. Um, sorry, I wasn't uh, totally tech aware. But, uh... <laughs> that's all right. I like no. the idea that that's quite a good phrase. I might use that myself. I was just being not totally tech aware. It's a brilliant thing to find out about. So, yeah, thanks yeah. for explaining it to us and telling yeah, the story. Absolutely. No, you're welcome. Okay, time for part two news and events and such happenings. Um, first of all, um, we've been doing some work on the, well, first of all, the code of conduct and a, uh, and a guide to the Slack for Shepherd Digital Slack community. Mm-hmm. And as part of that, we've been working on a code of conduct for uh, meetups. Mm-hmm. And so the way that this is going to work is that we have written a code of con- a code of conduct that is applies to Sheffield Digital meetups organised by us. But we would be very happy and encourage people, uh, other organisers, to use it and adapt it and change it for their meetups. Yeah, yeah. yeah um, I guess worth backtracking a little bit this, this came out of the meta meetups that we ran last year and we've got um or oh, the third meta meetup will have run by the time people listen to this mm-hmm. um but one of the things uh that was talked about quite a bit was about codes of conduct and what they're for and how they really act as um 
you know, kind of, uh, kind of disability policies, if you like. They, they, they create, they, they give people an idea of, of whether they're welcome and, 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 you know, um, how their needs are likely to be taken care of before the event. So, you know, that, that a venue is accessible, for example, that, you know, there's, if, um, if, uh, you know, something happens and they, they kind of, you know, they, they don't feel comfortable, um, that there's an opportunity to escalate that or to let someone know. And I think that's maybe one of the things that, that we can provide some support for with the code of conduct, with a kind of code of conduct template is that, um, you know, we provide an escalation option for people. Mm-hmm. So if people feel, don't feel comfortable um, raising it with the, immediate organizers of a meetup they can raise it with us and we'll, we'll broker that yeah. so we've kind of you know said yes that's something that we can provide event organizers and it protects them and it protects their, their um you know attendees um and we it's all written up in in a document that people can can share and use and and publish and give us feedback on and give us feedback on yeah, yeah any absolutely. code of conduct is ever finished no yeah. we might have there might be better ways of wording things i mean they're just words that's the thing isn't it so yeah that's right there might be better ways or more inclusive ways of saying what we're saying yes and there's also i mean one of the other things that there's been talked about is that um event organizers are sometimes quite reticent to announce that they've got a code of conduct because it they're worried that it may give the impression that they've had some kind of issue come up uh, and so one of the other things that we want to organize is like a, you know, a, a, a unified, everybody adopts a code of conduct at the same time kind of event so that, you know, people, people understand that it's, it's happening because it's, it's a, it's a good thing to do, yeah. not because of any particular yeah. issue. I think it's important to mention that we know some meetups already have their own codes yeah. of conduct and it's not like we're saying you must adopt the Sheffield digital one. It's more like, mm. you know, this this is something that you can use if you want to and this is a backup resource you can use if you want to and it's really just just trying to help support meetups around the city in some more different ways yeah yes and the the open tech calendar that we've used for years to Mm. to, um to get uh, events onto our calendar and and promote them um you know that's had a field for code of conduct pretty much since the outset so mm-hmm. you know there, there is now you know there will be a url that you can put into that field if even if you don't ad- adopt it or adapt it yourself mm-hmm. and publish it so that people know when they're signing up for an event they can read the code of conduct yeah. straight away great um next next item um it's really to two points people towards um a blog post mm-hmm. on, the, on the website so that we've um andy andy mayer um director of sheffield digital Mm-hmm. and of uh, Yumi. Mm-hmm. Um, he followed up on a conversation that took place on the community Slack, which was around um, job ads and the lack of salaries on job ads. So it's really common for companies. I don't, I don't think it's specific to digital, but um, mm. just this this uh, common thing where, where, where uh, companies will advertise for jobs and you just don't get any idea of what the salary might be. Not even a range, yeah. Uh, or Or even a range, yes. Um, and so there was a conversation around that. In general, the conversation was that there should be, or that that was the kind of the general tone, but also with some understanding as to why companies might not. Hmm. Um, and uh, Andy has written this post, which I think is a really good uh, follow-up from that conversation, and it details his experience with Yumi, really, and the way that uh, he kind of saw the problem and then tackled the problem. Yeah. Yes, and it, it makes a very valid point that, you know, in the public sector, you have much more, 
um, salary transparency than you do in the private sector. Um, and it also starts to address um, the question of whether or not we should insist that our job advertisers indicate a salary or a salary range um, when they post job ads with us. So that, that is an open discussion. Um, yeah. And there are a number of things that we can do. You know, we could, we could have a, a field and make it non-mandatory. We could have a field and make it mandatory, you know, but I, I think, uh, in general, we're, we're leaning towards, um, you know, trying to champion more salary transparency than there is at the moment. I yeah, I mean, we, we really need your feedback here because at the moment we're going on what we've heard from the people who've been involved in the conversation so far. And the, the prevailing wind of opinion is that we should be mandating that people put at least a salary range in. And it doesn't matter if it's a pretty broad range, mm. but at least it gives an indication of what kind of salary ballpark you're looking at. Um, but rather than just barreling straight ahead and doing that, we thought it was important to open up the conversation a lot broader. Mm. Um, and the Andy's blog post is kind of hoping to do that. And he's asked for people to comment on on the blog post. Or if you don't want to do that, you can comment in Slack or you can even DM us in Slack if you mm -hmm. don't want to have a public conversation about it. Yeah, yeah. But or, we're, we're or really, email or, or, email or, or all those many wonderful electronic channels that we use. But um, it, it seems to be a really important issue. And the more feedback we can get from the community about it to guide Sheffield Digital in terms of what we do on the job board, the better. Yeah, it's a good post too. Yes, you should read it. And it's had some good very yeah, tweetage. It has. Good tweetage. I think it's never referred to. Um, okay, the next thing is um, Dot Chef. There's a couple of Dot Chef events. The launch of one, which is governance. Is it governance or government? Governance. governance. Yes. Dot Chef. Um, that is an event taking place next week, which will probably be the day after this comes out. Mm -hmm. The dates escape me. <laughs> we'll find them in a second. Um, and that's with uh, Dot Chef and uh, FutureGov. Yeah. We're going to be talking about, um, I guess, the way the city is governed. <laughs> uh, yeah, well, it's, it's GovTech, basically, or local GovTech. Um, so the, the governance domain was um, sort of intended to encompass, you know, um, democracy, transparency, um, procurement, um, and, and, you know, how councils and other, uh, you know, city um, agencies uh, communicate. So every, anything from kind of uh, collaborative budgeting for the council, for example, um, any initiative around um, using digital tools and platforms to transact or, or communicate um, at the level of city governance. That's why it's governance and not government. Um, and yeah, um, obviously FutureGov have set up a base here in Sheffield. I think they're operating out of Union Street at the yeah. moment. I know they've got a, they've got an office, um, being prepared for them at Collider. Ah. Yeah. So uh, I know that's probably secret. We <gasps> um, never have said that. You but, didn't hear that, folks. Uh, I, I, yeah. Um, I believe so. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, so I can neither confirm anyway, nor deny. Sorry, well, maybe <laughs> things may well have changed since I heard that. Um, but uh, yeah, it's great that a that a, a GovTech company like that is going to be here in Sheffield. And um, uh, you know, Mark Gannon at the council has been talking to them, and and they're running this event to try and, you know, it, it's almost like I guess a, a meetup of GovTech types and people who are interested in e democracy and um, 
uh, open data, uh, you know, to come together and to talk about what's going on and what could be done and, and bring that community together. Um, and obviously, I mean, for as, as certain people know, um, I've wanted there to be kind of a PubSec tech, you know, or GovTech type uh, meetup organized in this city for quite a long time because we have quite a few government agencies and obviously local authority here. Um, so maybe this this will kind of be that or spur that on. Yeah, be good. Interesting mm. to see. And then we've also got another meeting of the economy, economy. dot chef, haven't we? Yes, we'll, we'll, which will have just happened before this yeah. goes out. Yeah. yeah. So. And there's like I think there's 30 people turning up to that. So yeah. public and private sector leaders and the universities, and there's a whole load of things on the agenda, isn't there? There are none of which I can remember, and I'm thinking <laughs> I should I should quickly look them well, there's up. A, there's but... a few. There's a few that we've tabled, uh, you know. Um, but uh, I, I guess um, we'll talk about them at the meeting. And then I, I talked to Sam Chapman this morning, actually, at Geek Breakfast. Yeah. And, and we'll we'll try and the minutes are all on the Trello board for economy.chef. And, um, you know, the, the, proper, the proposals that are tabled on the meeting on Monday or last Monday um, will go up there as well. Yeah. So people can find so out about people, them and we'll people can see them. highlight yeah. them too. Yeah. Excellent. The, uh, the governance... Um, the governance uh, event is on the 16th, just to confirm yeah. that I have got. Which is Tuesday. Yes. Yeah. Possibly in the past. <laughs> <laughs> I always feel like I'm doing time travel when I record yeah. this. We always record this on a Friday. <laughs> so um, We've already mentioned the Meta Meetup. Do we need to say anything else about that? That's also uh, going to be in the past. <laughs> that will be in the past, yes. Yeah. That, but that, that's going to be, uh, or that will have been at Spaces at Acero. Um which uh, is worth mentioning again because, you know, there's a big um, co-working and incubation space, mm. um, in, a new one in the uh, uh, in the digital campus, in the big Acero building spaces. They're Dutch. They've taken the whole of the ground floor and the fifth floor. And the ground floor is the open co-working space and small incubation and yeah. top floor is managed offices. So. And they are very keen to host meetups as well. And they've got quite a big space. Yeah. So if you're outgrowing the space that you're in at the moment we can do an intro for you to Heidi, who is kind of the community manager, manager yeah. sort of person there. Mm -hmm. She's been really, really helpful. Is it expensive? Or is it free? For meetups mm, or yeah, meetups. for meetups? I'm asking I, for a friend. I think she's offering the space for free. She won't do free refreshments. No, no. Yeah. So you have to sort never those. never expect such a thing. But, <laughs> but um, I'm up till now... She's providing the space for you. She wants people to be using the space. She does. I mean, she, she's, she wants she's to literally, animate the space. She's literally well. talking about. She will have literally talked about that <laughs> <laughs> at the meta meetup. At the meta meetup in the future, that will Monday, be the past. <laughs> My brain hurts. <clears throat> um, great. Uh, the Legal Tech North conference is uh, is in Sheffield. It is. This this is really good, and and I'm worried that it's flying a little bit underneath the radar. So I'm mm. going to wave a flag about it. it or something. Um, so within the city, there are a few companies who do technology for the legal sector, mm. and there are several all kinds of different sizes of law firms, and a bunch of them got together and decided that it would it's important for the legal sector to have a better understanding of what technology could do for them. Mm -hmm. um, and as in a similar way to um, what Rachel was mentioning earlier about how some sectors can be lagging behind in their adoption of technology, 
the, the legal sector is is a bit behind the game. Um, so most of the events about this happen down in London, which is great if you don't mind traveling down to London or you're a London-based company, but doesn't do much for it at North. So these people just decided they were going to create a conference about legal technology in Sheffield. They were going to call it Legal Tech North. They fully intend for it to be an annual event. So they're not just doing a one-off. They're trying to build something up here. And the idea of the event is to bring loads of people from the legal sector together to find out more about what technology can do for them and to explore the sorts of solutions that are already out there, but also talk about the problems that they've got and how tech might solve that. Mm. And then to bring in technologists as well to increase their understanding of the legal sector and to give them an opportunity to say, well, it's funny you should mention you've got that sort of a problem because we've just solved that in a another sector, mm. but the kind of way that we've solved it could just as easily apply to your sector. So as I understand it, the structure of the day, it is just a one day thing, is most of the day will be focused on the legal audience. So the people from the law firms talking to that, talking to them about what technology can do for them and case studies of what other companies have done. But there's a slot at the end for technology people to come along and just kind of find out about the sector and what's going on and possibly do some prospecting for new mm -hmm. business or ideas there's um there's some exhibition spaces which are really sensibly priced as well um now i'm i'm not involved in organizing this and and people keep coming to me saying smell about this legal tech conference you're organizing it's like no i'm not involved in organizing it i'm just trying to help share the info so if you want to find out more there's a blog post on mm -hmm. our website and uh a their website is just Legal Tech North, I don't know if it's .co.uk or whatever, but if you Google Legal Tech North, you'll find it. And then from there, you can contact the organisers and find out about what opportunities there are to get involved as a tech person as opposed to a legal person. But I, I'd like to see this take off. It's really great that a bunch of people in the city have just come together and decided to make this happen. And I'd like to see our sector support that. Right. Oh, so this is the first one that anyone's ever the, run in the north. This is the first one ever. There is ever. no other legal tech north nope. in nope. some other northern city. No, it's been born here. That's great. Where is it? And when? Do you know? Ah, uh, now you're asking. It's in the middle of November. Um, I cannot for the life of me remember where it is. Somebody look it up quick. I'm looking it up. <laughs> Talk <laughs> among yourselves while, while Ian looks it up. I was going to say that a lot of the... Um, I think some of the arranging was done on the Sheffield Digital Slack. There's a, the, there is a, there's a channel. channel. Yes, there is. Yeah. So um, Owen Mitchell, who are one of our lovely sponsors, mm -hmm. um, are a big part of getting ah, it organised, as are um, PM Law, who are a property law yeah. type company, okay. and um, a company in Sheffield called... Quote Express, who are a technology company based in the tech parks. Hmm. And that's the blog is an interview with uh, Matt Pennington from Quote Express oh, okay. about Legal Tech North. And there's a little bit about his company there as well. Um, and it takes place on Thursday, the 22nd of November at the Hubs. On the uh, hubs, Pat okay. Fantastic. Thank you, Ian. No problem. Um, great. Um, the next uh, next item... 
Uh, Tech Nation launches Rising Stars and expands Founders Network. This is another post we have on the website. People want to find out more. Um, so Tech Nation are looking for early stage digital startups from across the UK to take part in its new Rising Stars competition. Applications are open until the 4th of November. Yeah, so... This is what used to be Northern Stars, is it? It is, yeah. <laughs> so so we used to have a thing called Tech North. Um, <laughs> it's good, wasn't it? It was good. Well, they were, they were founder members. They gave us money, which was really nice. Um, and last year, they ceased to exist and something called Tech Nation was created yeah. in, in its place. The story was that Tech North had done such a great job, mm. they wanted to take what Tech North had done and make it nationwide. Yeah. So hence it became Tech Nation. So it's not the case that they, you know, no, they didn't killed kill Tech it. North and, no, no. We're, and we're start all over again. a little bit because yeah. we had the focus and now it's the whole country. Yeah. Um, and then, so while we had Tech North, they had two really good programs one called um northern stars which was a, a startup competition and we have had several really successful sheffield companies who were winners in the past of a northern stars like receptive and dutiful and sport 80 um and then they also had a scale-up program called founders network which is what it says on the tin it's a you know, network mentoring coaching program for tech company founders. So both of those programs, when it was Tech North, were very successful. So now Tech Nation has taken them on board and has made them national. So Northern Stars has become Rising Stars and it's having kind of regional heats and then one big final. So uh, the applications are open now if you want to enter rising stars and founders network has now gone national as well pretty much in the same model that it was when it was mm -hmm. just in the north so yes. and again laura, laura um, bennett founded it didn't she? laura bennett yes um was a, a really big player in getting that up and running and, and setting how that program worked so i've heard really good things about founders network and i would encourage people to have a look at that as always i want to see lots of people from sheffield getting involved in both of these things to keep us on the map mm. but not just to feed my ego but also because i think it's be really good as uh, good opportunities for sheffield companies at different stages to make the most of the support that's available mm -hmm. on speaking of which um uh why accelerator uh, opening a new cohort as well yes um which is uh, it's a, it's a city, Sheffield City Region accelerator that's been going for quite a while now, I guess. It from four years? Four or five, yeah. Yeah, something was, um, like that. It was money from, uh, UK Steel, isn't it? UK Steel Enterprise. Yeah. So it's a, it's a three month accelerator program with loads of business support, um, and mentoring and, mm -hmm. and advice. Um, it's unfunded, but, uh, the, I think there's 10 companies or teams early stage that are, that are in each year's cohort and they all get to pitch to investors at the end of it and the winner gets 25,000 from mm -hmm. UK Steel. Yeah. Um, and, you know, previous, I mean, uh, Tickets for Good were a Y Accelerator um, company a couple of years ago. I think I they won, in fact. didn't know that. Yes, I ah. think. Good link. Uh, yeah. Um, <laughs> Slanted Theory were on Y Accelerator. Um uh, research retold who are now up in Leeds. Right. 
they won it a couple of years ago. Yeah. So yeah, there's some tech companies that have gone through it. It's not just for tech. Um, and it's not to be confused with Y Combinator, which, you know, it's always <laughs> something else entirely. Yes. Yeah, uh, yeah. you know, the, one of the world's largest technology incubators, but, yeah. um, there's it, nothing to do with that. It's called Y Accelerator and it's run out of Rido, which is the Rotherham Investment and Development Organization. Yeah. Yeah. There's actually, there's quite a lot of startup-y stuff around yes. all of a sudden yeah, you know yeah. having had a complete drought mm. so we've got startup weekend happening again yes at sheffield hallam in november mm -hmm. then we've got uh the stuff that collider are doing on their uh last fridays yeah final fridays um which is really good mm -hmm. which is a whole day that i think you can kind of drop in on yeah and yeah you can do a bit of lunch and learn or you can go and have some one-to-ones with advisors That's or that right. kind of thing yeah. good there's, networking yeah there's the Support going on at the Cooper Lounge right. in the tech parks. There's Founders Network. There's Y Accelerator. Y Accelerator. And there are a couple more sitting in my email right. that I need to pull together into a blog post or better still send over to Ian and he'll put them together into a blog post <laughs> for me. So what are you paying for? Uh, oh, just to make, just to mention the Y Accelerator deadline is the end of this month. So 31st of October to get the applications in. Yeah. Um, okay, and then we have about seven minutes to get the rest of this podcast in. <laughs> Sorry. Um, and we'll start up with the meetup section. Uh, there are two meetups uh, happening. Um, I don't have the details in front of me because I'm once again fiddling. Um, <laughs> but uh, go, go Sheffield. Yes, so the Go Sheffield meetup um, had their first one last week or the week before, I think. So yes. just to highlight that it's a, there's a new meetup around yeah. Go. Yeah. There's also a new leadership meetup. Oh, We've had right. a, yes. a couple of sessions now, and that's going extremely well. So that that's for that's for tech leaders, not necessarily C-suite business owners. Is that is that, that's team leaders is, and yeah. leadership in general? Yeah. So so it. it um, I mean, I haven't been to an event, so apologies, meetup attendees. But my impression of it is that it it's very much people coming together to talk about how to be a better leader at whatever level you are within your organization or within yeah. your team and um they seem to be doing a lot of really great knowledge sharing which is is what meetups are all about yeah, great great am i allowed to talk about mine yes, yes. you should super quickly <laughs> in like five minutes no, less than that um i i'm uh, i sent out i created a web page in about half an hour and a twitter account in about 10 minutes and for That's Sheffield good. Content Club. That's how you do it. It is how you do it. I thought I'd test the idea. It was very agile. I felt very agile doing it. <laughs> and, um, Were you spinning on your, on your chair? I was. I was going like lightning. And, um, and uh, people have said, that sounds all right. And so I've, we've got, this is for Sheffield Content Club. So the idea is uh, a regular meetup for content people. Uh, I want it to be kind of a broad church. So that could be, uh, you know, the copywriters and content strategists and that side of things mm. but also people who you know, illustrate or make videos uh, basically i've said if you if you feel like you make content then that will do for me mm -hmm. so that includes youtubers live yeah. streamers yeah why not podcast makers mm -hmm. well this is I, I mean i did think about who is this for it was quite a if you kind of think well if if, if you want your audience to be you uh, you know if that's a good indication of you know if you're making something then make it make sure that you like it or it's something you would go to um I did kind of think, well, I'm not really, I've not been a, just a copywriter for years. And if I look at what I actually 
do, and I think what more and more young, mm. young content people do, mm. um, as, as I work with different clients and the younger the person I work with, the more that they can do, it mm. seems. Yeah. And the broader their knowledge. Um, so it just seems no. daft. I've got an eight and an 11 year old. Exactly. <laughs> who is officially a content producer and could probably do a, a good 50 minute talk on, <laughs> on whatever. I'm sure a number of things. So that would be pretty cool. Um, uh, and so, yes, yeah, so go to, where would you go? Sheffieldcontent.club. There's just a very small form that just is my way of saying, tell me that you're interested. We have almost 60 people that have signed up in the last Brilliant. week without me doing very much at all. And Twitter it is, uh, SHF content. Cool. And that's it. Um, we should probably mention um, Tim Brazier's School of Design as well, which is another thing that has started. She- in Sheffield Design School. Sheffield, is that what it is? Sheffield yes. Design School. Sorry, Tim. Um, do you want to have a quick talk about that? Do you want to say what that is in a sentence? I, I don't know if I can manage it in a sentence. Um, here, uh, Tim works for the Good Things Foundation. Yeah. We previously had Adam Milner on. He's a service designer. I think he's head of service design there. Yeah, he is now. Um, and his idea is that design thinking can be learnt. So the process of, of not of kind of hands-on, here's me working with Photoshop, but that idea of what is the process that you should go through yeah. um, when you're designing a service or a product or whatever it might be, that that is something that is learnable um, and that if people had more of those skills then then it would be better for everyone um, and so he's going to teach people so I suppose it's, it's, about, kind of, it's a bit like the sort of Stanford D school isn't it I guess it's like teaching design pr- practices and principles to non-designers or to get the design practice more embedded in in the industry and uh, amongst clients i guess yeah i think um yeah without wanting to get into the detail because i will not know the detail um and he can do that himself at some point but it is on the website so sheffield design school i I can't quite remember the url but i think that might be it um dot something dot org probably uh but i think there is a sort of there's a definite kind of for good like the idea is that he thinks that this is a good thing to Mm. do and that young people and uh graduates potentially coming into the industry or the sector that there is a huge advantage to actually having the the, the kind of the go, knowing the process as, yeah. as opposed to having the kind of hands-on. I know how layers work in Photoshop type. Of yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes, you'd expect it's very it's very different. I mean, it's true. A lot of a lot of designers come out of graphic design courses, and they're they're in control of the design. And um, you know, service design is about um, co-design. It's about putting service users. Um, in in the design process and, and working with them to design things. So, as designers, you lose some control over what what you yes. know what the design is, and that's and it's I, difficult to learn for for people that have come through a very yep. you know I am the designer type education. And I'm being flippant about mentioning Photoshop. It really is about it's not about that kind of thing. <laughs> it's it, about post-it it, notes. It kind of is, <laughs> but it is more about sort of you know the the theory and the and the and like you say how you design a service or how you design a, a product. It's not necessarily the hands-on. Uh-huh. Can I mention VR? You can. So it was the first meeting of uh, the VR meetup last Friday as well, mm-hmm. which I've also been wanting to happen for ages. Yeah. And it was very, it was very kind of small and bijou initially. So I think it was about ten people um, in the upstairs room at the Rutland met last Friday. Um, but uh, yeah, there, there was people you know who had never met before, had no idea that they were working in the same city. Wow. Um, so it was, you know, I was talking to Ben Ather, who's one of the organisers this morning about it, and he said it was really great, and they're, they're going to do it, I think, um, every third Friday or something. Um, 
or every last Friday, I can't remember which one, I'm sure mm. there'll be a website and stuff in due course. Um, but he said it was really great to meet and talk and, and like get people's opinion on, on what kind of things they want to do in the meetup and what kind of, you know, people they might want to have talking. Um, but he also said, you know, he just discovered things just from that one meeting that he had no idea existed and he's been working in the city for ages. Uh, and he was saying, you know, just things like, um, he, he's been, he's been, he, he's been needing to get, um, like a, a human being scanned. He, he wanted to get some scans done, uh, for another project that he's working on with Milk Lab. And, um, he was thinking, you know, it was going to be expensive. He couldn't, know, he didn't, couldn't know where he could do it. And he, he tried to like do, do some, some stuff himself and it was just ropey and the quality wasn't good. Uh, and then, you know, it turns out that, you know, you've got 1024 yeah. in Broom Hill that yeah. have got one of the biggest, um, scan avatar scanning rigs in the whole country <laughs> literally two miles from his yeah, house just and he just couldn't believe it, it. So, yeah. <laughs> you know that that's that's what meetups are about really mm. to, to find out who else is in the ecosystem doing interesting stuff and you know the, the resources you need maybe just around the corner yeah great here's some other events that are happening soon okay. um oh. oh you've missed out the holy order of logical operators oh i apologize yes chris i saw a picture <laughs> of you saw a picture on the internet the other day what was that? I think I have to mention <laughs> it. A silly hat on <laughs> and some technology. That's our friend Layla, Layla is. Johnston, yes, isn't it? It yeah. is. So it was a, it was maybe a, a one-off revival of Hack Circus, um, but it was, uh, it was, it was uh, the event from her residence at uh, Access Space. She did a three-week residency at Access Space. Um, but it coincided with uh, the reopening of the site gallery. So um, she was a little bit busy. Um, but it was just hilarious. Uh, it was it was genuinely one of the most bizarre and funny and interesting evenings I've ever spent, I think. It was brilliant. It was so much fun. There was a whole bunch of people. I, no one knew what, what they'd signed up for, really. But, I mean, you know, if you get an invitation or you see... You see an event that's called, you know, induction into the holy order of logical operators. <laughs> you just feel like you have to sign up to it. Um, so, you know, I mean, Bill, you know, someone had flown over from Dublin just to be there for the night. Uh, you know, Bill Thompson, the, you know, the journalist was really? up from London just for the event. Yeah. Amazing. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I like so, Bill. <laughs> yes. Yes. The venerable, mm. fantastic Bill Thompson was up yeah. to experience it with us. And, uh, it was it was basically predicated on the idea of um we were in some kind of future future universe in in um earth 6 uh and we were trying to understand the digital technology of the early 21st century on earth 1 um that had long since fallen into you know disrepair after kind of after the event kind of thing you know <laughs> after some kind of world changing and world ending apocalypse um and it was it was all about essentially just you know rethinking or or thinking about technology from a different stupid fun perspective um, um and we did just all sorts of strange things we had to we had to revive an, an ai robot at one point by drawing artworks according to an algorithm that was laid out on playing cards we had to um uh, uh, alex um uh mclean was was um was live um like live algorithmically mixing the Skype um, connecting sounds as we were Skyping or trying to Skype with quite eminent um, 
AI academics and activists in other parts of the country <laughs> to talk to them about um, the technology and and the ethics of AI. Uh, wow. it was, we did, yeah, we did, yeah, lots of very interesting, fun, and silly stuff for about three hours in Access Space, and it was highly enjoyable. It's it's reassuring to know that uh, when the apocalypse comes, on the other side, we will still have party hats. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> we all had to wear silly hats with eyes on the front, was, and we had to go through these strange rituals. Anyway. Yes. Right, I'm going to read the quickest list of events and, uh, and members in the history of me having done this. Um, next, uh, next week, which will be this week when this comes out, on the 17th of October, we have Code Up Sheffield uh, and also Sheffield Ruby User Group on the same night. On the 18th, Chatbots in Healthcare. On the 19th, Sheffield Tech Parks, uh, it's the Freelancer Friday, which is uh, on the 19th. It's also Geek Breakfast every Friday. Uh, on the 24th of October, it's the G Suite uh, User Group, uh, which is good if you're interested in learning more about how to use all the G Suite stuff. 25th is the next Front End Sheffield. Um, and then in early November, uh, it is Go Sheffield, which we mentioned before on the 1st. On the 6th, we've got .NET Chef. On the 10th, Dark Peak Data Cooperative. It's a co-op day. And, um, and that's all we have in the in the calendar at the moment. So if you, if you want to find out more about those particular events, then go to sheffield.digital slash events. You can find out more. And if you want to add your event, then you can go to the same place. And there's a little link that tells you how to do it. Um, and then we have uh, members. We always thank our members at the end of the show. So we have a uh, new member since the last time we uh, recorded um, last net on our company members. Thank you to them. And uh, Connell Blackett is uh, an individual member. Um, and if you want to subscribe to the Sheffield Digital Podcast, which is obviously the sensible thing to do, you can do so in Apple Podcasts, um, or you can go to your own app of choice, whether it's something like Overcast, Pocketcast, Castro, various others. Um, and to find out more, you can go to Sheffield. <laughs> Sheffield. <laughs> you can never, ever say it. Episode 21. Sheffield.digital. Slash podcast. That's it. See you later. Bye. Bye. I had to practice. <laughs> I, when I was in practice, I still couldn't do it. That was good. Mm.